TG Geeks, episode 160, March 12th, 2018. Barbara the Fanbase Barber presses Bryant on the Oscars. Hello and welcome to another webcast from TGGeeks.com, where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery, sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Keith Lane and we're coming to you from TG Squared Studios in lovely, kind of spitting rain-ish Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm Ben Raggington, also coming to you from Winter Returned. Well. Again. Again. Again, for a weekend. Actually, this is kind of like a spring rain. A uh, spring rain. It, it didn't get cold. No, it, it, it didn't reach. It, it stayed. It stayed below eighty. Yeah, Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> yeah. And we have an interesting interview for you today, and a couple of follow-up items, as always, and some interesting discussion in the second uh, segment. So this first segment is uh, Barbara and Bryant Dillon from Fanbase Press, and we're going to just get right to it. Joining us this time on the show, we have Barbara and Bryant Dillon of Fanbase Press. They are the co-founders of this wonderful organization that produces comics and uh, you name it. <laughs> they they produce it. That could be their, oh, that's that a nice could, little that could be their trademark. Their you trademark, know, since yeah. ours is you name it, we talk about it. They can trademark that. Yeah, you name it, we produce it. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Barbara and Bryant. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Keith and Ben. It's lovely to chat with you. Yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, who you are as as individuals and how you kind of got started in this business of producing comics, etc. And what is Fanbase Press? So I, I know that's a big big thing there, but <laughs> <laughs> we will we will do our best. Yes. Um, so uh, Brian and I, as well as a friend of ours, Sam Rhodes, met, all met in college. We were all big fans of comic books. We were fans of the arts. Uh, we were studying or participating in theater and acting in some capacity. Um, and uh, after uh, kind of growing up together in college, we all moved out to Los Angeles together to pursue creative endeavors. And uh, that's when we decided to make our first graphic novel. It was called Something Animal. It started as a short film screenplay, and um, given the the large amount of money that it takes sometimes to make films, we thought, you know, we love comic books. Let's try the sequential art medium in order to bring the story to life. And uh, it actually took off, and we hit the ground <coughs> running with that adaptation. It was received very well. Um, we followed it up uh, soon after with another adaptation, which was Identity Thief. Both were horror graphic novels. And um, we just had such great success with them that uh, we were very fortunate that other creators started bringing their stories to us to publish. And that was kind of the basis for Fanbase Press. Uh, not only did we publish, though, uh, in the meantime, as the production process for creating a graphic novel can be quite lengthy, we started building our own online community by doing daily reviews and interviews. We started recording a, a podcast uh, that 
discuss the the latest geek news and um it kind of built from the ground up from there wow that's incredible so is this now your your full-time job or are you doing sadly it's not no, no, we, both, we both have a day job oh darn so do we, we. sympathize <laughs> um, we, we would love to get to the point where one day uh, fanbase press is our our main gig but uh right now bryant and i both actually work in different facets of entertainment i work at warner brothers oh. bryant works at deluxe entertainment um Ooh. so but we we kind of have two two full-time jobs between yes. the two of us so uh, but it's a, a labor of love because we both love fan-based press and the comic book industry so much. Yeah. Do you find that working, uh, you know, the nature of your full-time jobs being what they are? I mean, Keith and I both work in healthcare, so mm-hmm. to come to, to you know, we do that and then we dedicate our time here. I mean, it really seems like just this huge shift in thinking what we have to do. But being that you guys are both in uh, the entertainment industry in some facet or another as your day jobs, do you find that to be a? Uh, does that help fuel the passion? To, uh, to, uh, to further fan base press, um, does it actually get in the way? I mean, I just, I just think this is fascinating that your daytime jobs would have some sort of a connective thread to, uh, fan base press and what that does. Um, you know, I think it, it does, uh, definitely do that in some occasions. Um, you know, there are, there are moments where, uh, Certain, uh, certain things are inspirational. I would say more for probably Barbara being on the, the Warner Brothers lot and sort of seeing these big productions go up and, and sort of the creative juices flowing. But, but our, uh, our positions tend to be fairly technical. And so a lot of what we're doing at the most, I would say what it relates to in regards to, uh, what we're doing with fan base press is sort of organizational time management project, uh, coordination skills where we're, you know, making sure that creative deadlines are met and that the project is moving forward, which is, you know, obviously very, very helpful when it comes <laughs> to um, comic books because oh, um, gosh, yeah. comic book uh, creators are notorious for being behind schedule. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're editorial teams, I will say. So, I mean, you know, being able to have a reign on, on that and, and sort of uh, see whether it's seeing how how these bigger organizations work uh really really successfully or whether it's seeing how uh certain things fall through the cracks i think it, that is very helpful in sort of looking at our our own uh, organization and and making sure that it runs smoothly and and successfully and i would be actually be interested to hear your experience as well uh, prior to working at Warner Brothers i worked in the mental health community and uh, even that was helpful, I would say, or impactful to our work with Fanbase Press because we do a lot of uh, panel conventions and we speak to a lot about the creative process and the the impact that it can have on an individual and, you know, healthy self-care practices and those sorts of mentalities have really even been helpful from the education and information that I learned from mental health. So I'm sure that in some capacity, working in the healthcare community has also yeah. likewise helped you in, sure. in your endeavors. Right. Well, we're both, um, we're not in, act- well, <laughs> you would explain. <laughs> yeah, I, my job is, uh, I do implementation of software. So I, I teach people how to use uh, a couple of different pieces of software for analytics sure. purposes and mostly reimbursement. And so that, that kind of helps because I kind of am a, a teacher at heart. <laughs> so it, it helps me to 
kind of put things and it kind of gives me the analytical. I kind of manage the website and, and all that kind of stuff. And Ben really well, I, is. Uh, I'm a claim supervisor, um, also uh, a trainer. So in that respect, I mean, as far as being a trainer goes, uh, I, I always get up in front of a class and, and I, I hop around like some sort of loon as I educate people on how to, how to handle, uh, hospital claims. But really, I mean, how, um, how my job informs and, and dovetails into what we do here is that, um, I, I can't wait to run away from my job whenever <laughs> there's a big convention going, so I don't have to go to work. I mean, it pushes me. It pushes me towards more things TG Geek. So, um, there it is. Yeah. I, I think the, the teaching aspect has made us very comfortable in behind the mic, at least behind the mic and being able to speak to pe- speak to people. And yeah. To, you know, be able to sure, drag I information out of them, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> in, in interview situations. Yeah. So that, that's kind of interesting. Right, right. We were echoing your sentiments. Yeah. Uh, okay. 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 So, um, tell me what, obviously, if anybody listened to our episode last week, they know what your big project is. But if they didn't listen, tell us what what's going on with Fanbase Press. What what new things have you got going on right now, and what's what's eminently being released, etc. Absolutely. So we recently announced the upcoming uh, publication of our newest graphic novel. It's a creator-owned book called The Margins. It is co-written by Paul Montgomery and David Acampo and illustrated by the absolutely wonderful Amanda Donahue. And the the subject matter of the graphic novel is that it really examines the duality of uh, creativity in that it can both serve as a healthy uh, outlet for self-expression, but it can also serve as uh, sort of a, a mechanism through which people can avoid or escape uh, their their lives. So, uh, and this is the life of a young woman named Charlie as she finds this old pulp manuscript, and she's a, a comic book artist, so she starts to really get engrossed and obsessed with bringing this story to life. But as she does so, she starts to notice that uh, the story and the characters that she is creating start to seep into her own world. So, um, but it's a really interesting story with a lot of really wonderful parallels about uh, finding yourself and acknowledging who you are and uh, and using creativity as a mechanism for that. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. really a great conversation. We yeah, had with them. it was. There were so many different aspects to that that uh, I really enjoyed it. it. The moment you sent me the the uh, press release on that. I read through it and and looked at that artwork, and it was like, oh my gosh, I have to jump on this. Yeah. <laughs> so. And one of the things that one of the things that we really uh, that we really liked about it is that it has, uh, it 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 really touches on a lot of interesting issues. Uh, as you said, you know, it, it talks about the duality. Um, there's there's this social relevance to it. So in some ways, it kind of yeah. it it just it's the graphic novel has kind of graduated out of just being a form of entertainment and in in a way it's it's sort sure. of becoming a statement. So what that mm-hmm. makes me wonder is with a lot of the publications that you run um are you are, do you actively look for things that are maybe consider a little less um mainstream or commercial and looking for things that are a bit more I, I don't necessarily want to say avant-garde but definitely stand out against the crowd. Um, I, I would say definitely. Um, we aren't necessarily, um, 
what I would say, uh, you know, a, a, uh, a company or a comic company that looks to, to preach at our audience. Um, but at the same time, one thing that Barbara and I have discussed at length and feel free to jump in here, Barbara, um, uh, about what exactly a fan-based press comic is and what kind of stories you want to tell. Um, I think we have always gravitated um, to genre fiction that has exploration of deeper themes and characters. Uh, I mean, if, you know, a, a, a sort of a, a fluffy popcorn movie uh, is a lot of fun, but then... When you compare it to something, I, I would say like Star Wars, uh, which I would also consider a, a popcorn movie. The fact that there are these, like, say, themes of like family and and fathers and sons and and moral choices, uh, those are really what we find engaging um, about stories like that. Another one I I usually compare stories we're looking forward to is uh, I'm a huge fan of the Alien franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many. There are many films out there that can tell stories about uh, creatures in space being fought, but that's not really the key of of why those stories engage with me. It's more about the exploration of a really complex uh, female lead, themes of of uh, corporate ownership and uh, and moral choices made in in sort of the worst situations. So. So I think we look for similar things in in the stories that we tell. We don't. We don't necessarily put it put uh, other people that operate this way down, but personally, we're not looking for stories that sort of end at the concept of like, oh, something sci-fi happened or something you know fantastical happened. We want we want to see the genres exploring themes that relate to the real world and that we feel are important. And I think even more so um, since the last presidential election, we really felt like. The power that we have to put um, good out into the world, or to 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 be able to add something decent to to a world that that some seemingly is very often indecent. Um, I think that came from a place where we're like, well, you know, this is our gift. We can help people tell stories, and those stories should should matter in some ways. They should they should uh, either uh, contribute to to a larger goal or or at least people, get people to think about some things that maybe they're not thinking about or be inspired by things maybe they're not being inspired about. So there's definitely some of that within the DNA of the company. I totally agree. And I think the biggest thing is uh, we sometimes boil what a fan-based press book is down to we want really impactful storylines with resonant characters. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. hopefully uh, all of the, the titles that we are releasing uh, maintain that through line. But in addition, there's the idea of inclusivity, not only with the characters that we are sharing, the storylines being told, uh, but also the creators themselves. We really want to, to, uh, have, uh, the opportunity to provide a platform to creators with varying perspectives and right. varying, um, life experiences so that uh, not only can they share those stories that are so individualized, but also so that readers can see themselves in the pages and Thank resonate you. with the characters. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's it's really, really important for us. That's that's what I – yes, absolutely. In fact, I was going to say that. <laughs> I mean, even though uh, the character of Charlie in the margins, even though she, she's a, mm-hmm. uh, a lesbian – 
the fact that it's it's still um mm-hmm. your main character is is someone in the LGBT community uh and obviously mm-hmm. an opposite gender for me it still gave me something that I could totally latch onto and uh almost mm-hmm. in some aspect say that could have been me in there yeah. uh and and I like that kind of connection I mean I like to be able to read something that is has that inclusive nature that I can actually almost project myself into the story. Yeah, so and, to have that, I think, is and, awesome. And that story really is very inclusive on, on so many levels. It, I mean, you have Asian, you have Latino, you have LGBT, and then they're fighting the antagonist who is an old white guy who's a racist. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it, it's really... And what's so fascinating, and I, yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited for to read the margins because at the outset they he is this old white you know a, a seemingly cisgendered male but through the story you there are some revelations that you learn that make such beautiful parallels i hope for readers yeah. that really further emphasize the themes of uh acknowledging sexuality acknowledging who you are and, and being comfortable with that well and complex villains too i exactly. think like yeah. uh I, as much as as uh i think he uh Creed uh, does, um, or Kent rather, not Creed. Uh, Creed's the <laughs> the made-up character that Kent yeah. created. Uh, Kent is, you know, not he's a he's a complex villain, and uh, I think that's really important for us is, too. Is we don't see very many people in this world, very many humans, as just a hundred percent evil. I, and, and those right. villains are usually aren't as interesting for us. So. Um, no. There are definitely layers to Kent that we don't want to give away, <laughs> but uh, we'll say that there there is uh, much to be revealed about him. And and, uh, and the only other thing I would add too is I, I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, uh, expressing excitement about this this mission. Um, I do want to be hesitant. I just want to say like I don't want to give ourselves too much of a pat on the back because one thing that that I really feel like we are doing that that isn't necessarily super impressive or exciting is trying to be more inclusive with these characters and these creators. And, um, hopefully that is seen as less, a, a, you know, eventually as less of a, uh, an exciting thing is more of just like, Hey, and isn't everyone yeah. doing this? You right. know, because Absolutely. I feel like we see, especially with the recent success of Wonder Woman and Black Panther oh at the gosh. box office and some of the comics that have done really well this year, People are looking for diverse stories, and it's not just the underrepresented audiences. Clearly, they are there. They need to be catered to because they're desperate for these stories. But I think that everyone is excited for the most part to take part in these stories and see something new and see something different and see yes. other people be excited that they finally got their character or, or you know, stories that that they can relate to very, very significantly. So Absolutely. yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because one of the things that I really loved about both Wonder Woman and Black Panther is that I mean, okay, I'm neither woman nor am I black, but why did I find both of these things so exciting? I mean, they introduced me to this this culture um, that is underrepresented in some fashion or another. And it packaged it in such a way that it was grounded in realism, but gave it such optimistic um, uh, sensibility. So to be able to even read that in a book uh, as well is something mm-hmm. that I know that me and a lot of other readers, that that's something that we can just easily gravitate towards and just digest. And, you know, wow. I, yeah, I, I love that idea. <clears throat> So, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
What? I'm not the least bit enthusiastic. <laughs> no, not at all. He, he's he's <laughs> he can be very dramatic sometimes. <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> Gee, that sounds like such a negative. No, it's not. Dramatic is good. Yes, we love the dramatic. <laughs> yes. So without drama, you don't have art. Exactly. <laughs> oh, touche. Yeah. Tell us about some of the other things that that you have. Uh, I noticed that you have some books, uh, and you have, you know, I mean, it, it, there's all kinds of things, as well as uh, what a uh, dozen, half a dozen, almost a dozen comics that you've uh, done. Tell it. Tell us about Kinsey. Mm-hmm. That one is uh, one that you just. Uh, are publishing in a trade paperback. So tell us about that one. Absolutely. So last year, starting in January and uh, through December, we released Kinsey, which is a 15-issue comic book series about a little girl named Lupe who gets superpowers on her quinceanera, but she only has them for one year. And uh, we really stuck with the Kinsey theme because it was 15 issues. It came out on the 15th of every month on Comixology in both English and Spanish. And then at the end of the year, we collected all 15 of the English language comics into a collected trade paperback, which is now available for sale on our website, through Comixology, on Amazon. Um, and uh, we were so honored to bring this story to life. Sebastian Kedlecek, who is the creator, um, is Latino, and he had attended so many of his family's quinceañeras. Uh, and he saw his young nieces and was so excited that they loved characters like Wonder Woman and Batgirl. But he really wanted for them uh, kind of what we were talking about earlier, the opportunity to see themselves as superheroes, both inside and outside of the mask. And so he wanted to give them a superhero that that represented them more thoroughly. And so we were so honored to bring this story to life. And uh, it was Written and illustrated by a sister team, it was Kit Steinkellner and Emma Steinkellner, and they were so fantastic in bringing the story to life. And um, we were actually very honored uh, just last month. The book was one of the finalists for the 2018 Dwayne McDuffie Award for Diversity. So we were amazingly honored uh, to receive that um, and just for, for Sebastian's story to be in that regard because Dwayne McDuffie did so much to further diversity in the comic book industry so to you know be recognized for furthering his mission was was truly Amazing, an honor yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. that's great so it, was there is there anything extra with the Kinsey trade paperback or is it just the the paperback or trade paperback itself no, there's there's a few uh, extras in there. Uh, we've got some uh, some extra pages uh, at the end, and um, there was also uh, one of the things. I mean, I guess this is past, but we did release it ahead of the digital release of the final issue. So there was uh, a number of people that, uh, you know, if they couldn't wait for the the final issue of Kinsey, went ahead and and got the trade so that they could get a first look at it. Um, but yeah, there's there's a there's a few additional extras there in the back for you. That's cool. And we've got lots of other... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, we Just that we have lots of other projects in the works as well. We have another book that we will be announcing in April at the start of the month. And it's completely different than anything that we've ever done before. Exactly. It's not a comic book, I will say that, yes. or a graphic novel. So It'll be a, an interesting yes. endeavor. We're very excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we are finishing the writing process on an audio drama adaptation oh, of cool. a novel called, called The Odds by Robert J. Peterson. It was published by California Cold Blood Books. And uh, if you can imagine... Um, it's kind of a, a futuristic sci-fi book akin yeah. to 
Big Trouble in Little China, but if oh, you can imagine nice. a world where chess has become a live action battle to the death, uh, it's Ooh. very much everything Star Wars and Firefly and, all and wrapped Wizards in one. Chess. So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> no, that one's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of crazy characters. It's uh, as Barbara said, an action comedy, and it's also uh, you know we've done a lot of recently that have been young adult and all ages books. Uh, the odds will actually be a little towards the more mature readers' end. Mm-hmm. It's going to be. I guess technically it would be R-rated for some of the language and violence, but it's all in in sort of like an 80s, almost like Total Recall. Very John like, carpenter Yeah, tongue-in-cheek, sort of over-the-top way. So we can't wait to share that with people. There's so many exciting things from the characters, the writing, and uh, we have an amazing, an amazing uh, 80s electronica-influenced score mm-hmm. that was originally produced for it. So really oh, cool. excited to... Uh, to be able to share that with people. I, I, I'm having a geekasm right now, excuse me. <laughs> 80s, 80s uh, pop it, culture is... Oh, yeah, 80s pop culture. No, there was nothing like it. No, it was the We can't best. wait for uh, uh, Ready Player One to come out. So Yeah, with re- I mean, things oh, yeah. like Ready I mean, Player we, One, Str- Stranger Things, and you, and you mentioned, you said John Carpenter, and, and when you said Big Trouble in Little China, I just got all, you know, the little geek boy in me just started screaming in total <laughs> delight. You, so you said, oh, audio drama. So this is uh, f- your first foray into that, correct? Actually, True um, fan-based press, fan yeah. press it is. However, uh, we cut our teeth in audio drama a few years back. We actually did a three-year endeavor called The Katniss Chronicles, which was a very faithful adaptation of the Hunger Games books before the movies came out. Oh, wow. And uh, we, adapt- we adapted all three of the books into approximately hour-long episodes and it was a total of about 70 episodes wow. uh, that covered and spanned right. all three of the books so we had a full cast of characters score sound effects absolutely everything and we were lucky enough to win a few uh, audio drama awards for that and be nominated for a few things so i mean we really as barbara said we really did cut our teeth on it, it was an experience where you go through three years of creating audio dramas you have to learn one or two things <laughs> and so, right, uh, right. we were very excited once we had done that and connected with that audience uh so well that we were like well let's do something that we legitimately have the rights to. We can do it through one, you know, one of the companies, mm-hmm. uh, Fanbase Press being uh, the one that was chosen. And and uh, and uh, yeah, we're just really excited to kind of uh, engage with people with this medium because uh, people are, you know, people are are sort of, uh, you know, uh, tipping their or dipping their toes into it. There's a there's a few fan audio dramas out there. I know that Marvel just recently uh, put out, I think, a Wolverine. Uh, they're calling it an audio comic or something like that, but it's, it's pretty much an audio drama. So with the rise of podcasts and how often we all listen to them, I think going from one place to the other, I think audio dramas are, are a natural step. And a lot of the, you know, other places in the world have already caught up, uh, ahead of us oh, uh, here in the right. States. Yeah. So. The, you, uh, for the Canis Chronicles, we've got a huge international fan base everywhere from Africa to Singapore, New the Zealand. Philippines. Yeah. And it's incredible how well received audio drama is in other countries, but I feel like the, the U.S. is lagging a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, the radio, radio theater is making a huge comeback, I think. And I think, yeah. you know, podcasts definitely have a, they definitely have a role in that. But now with, Radio dramas being di- digestible in a, a myriad of medium formats, I think, has helped to give the rise. I mean, we're friends with um, uh, some people who run Sword and Circuitry, Sword and Circuitry, Sword yeah. and Circuitry, <laughs> and uh, they're right now working on their second uh, radio play. 
Yeah. So, so uh, it, I think the idea of uh, a radio, a radio theater kind of drama is just terribly exciting because there's nothing quite like theater of the mind, in my opinion. And when you're when you've got something that's touching on so many um, has has so many genre beats to it. I mean, yeah. I, I I know that is something that I would just like dive into and never want to come, crawl out of again. Yeah, they they're doing <laughs> they're doing old time radio dramas. Yeah, very old they're, time. They're sci fi related. It's uh, Uncharted Regions. Mm-hmm. They did their first one was uh, wow, it was incredible. So yeah, the the radio dramas and are or radio type yeah drama, yeah it really say. feels like you're listening sure. to old time radio theater which being that i'm you know i'm 56 so yeah i yeah. did grow we, up we just at the very end of, of that of a certain age yeah i mean i did come in just to the very end of that uh of that era of the old time radio theater mm-hmm. um and so again ra- audio dramas i think are just fantastic i love them to death yeah so keep us uh i know we're on your press list but with yeah. the new things that you've got coming, let me know. Especially we'll, the odds. We will uh, certainly Absolutely. run some <laughs> press releases for you. So that's a, a great thing. I Absolutely. did want to say, and and the what I the question I asked earlier was kind of a leading question, and then we went someplace else, but that's okay. Um, the extras <laughs> that you're putting with uh, the margins is oh, really yeah. kind of cool. And Bonus we, material. We t- we talked about that uh, oh, with oh, yes. uh, Paul and Amanda. It's. He's a big bonus material. Yeah. Uh, I I love bonus features on Blu-rays. I mean, yeah, I'll watch so all of them. I think it's really cool that you're doing that with your, you know, trade paperbacks, your graphic novels, everything that you've got, and continue to do that because there's people that that want that stuff. You know, it's a extra stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, it 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 helps to kind of inform you know the background, you know, uh, the genesis of the, of the particular stories possible story ideas that were looked at and then later got jettisoned. I mean, yeah, I especially if, if it's a story that you're really invested in, in some fashion or another, you kind of want to know, you know, how did this, what what were all the steps that were involved between its initial inception right. to what's on the final, you know, the, the, the final product. So, yeah, to have all that extra material, to me, I mean, I think it's endlessly fascinating. So I want we're to actually ask... uh, supplementing that in addition, in addition to the the pre-order uh, bonus material, we're actually we relaunched or or launched for the first time a series on our website called Creating Fandoms, which is a, yes, a monthly series that really does uh, exactly what you're talking about. We delve into the the creative process of publishing for our company. So the the next two months are going to be focusing on. Um, the margins. Yeah. And, oh, cool. uh, this month, actually March 7th, we'll have an article. Brian, do you want to talk yeah, about Yeah, well, it? we're going to be, uh, as, as Barbara mentioned, this is about like doing exactly what you guys talked about, pulling the curtain back and giving people extra information. Um, the first margins edition, uh, of, uh, creating fandoms is going to focus on basically breaking down the characters, explaining, uh, and introducing the characters to, uh, to our readers and uh, giving a little more insight behind them. Then uh, the following volume, uh, we're still working out the details, but we'll dive a little bit more into the actual inspiration behind uh, creating the margins, why uh, Paul and David had the initial uh, thought to create it, what happened once Amanda, the artist, uh, Amanda Donahue, was brought in. So we will be giving a lot of uh, a lot of uh insight into that experience um and I, I think that you know to relate to what you were saying i think that's very much because barbara and i are fans 
like yourselves who enjoy, uh, you know, behind the scenes featurettes and extra, extra information and exploration of the, the behind the scenes process, uh, as well. And so when we approach our projects, I mean, I think that is, uh, very much in mind. We, we do have to, uh, as everyone does have to balance between like what is, what is, uh, financially affordable? What can we actually, uh, we, we actually come up with? But, but I'm like, uh, Barbara and I are very much like you where we, we love that stuff. And so if we are creating something, we definitely want to give people access to, to more information if they can. Um, we also try to bring people on for podcasts or creators for a podcast so they get to talk about where they, where the, uh, the creative inspiration and sort of the behind the scenes, uh, um, thought process came from and, uh, and, and the other thing that I would mention, uh, so that people understand, I guess, is we do always include some bonus features in our trade paperbacks or our graphic novels, uh, in the back. Uh, but we also, if, if, as, as we were just mentioning, if you get in, uh, early for our pre-orders, much like a, a Kickstarter or a crown, a crowdfunding campaign, there are, are additional extras that you can get, um, if you pre-order in advance, the margins has a few of those, like, uh, an exclusive sketch from the artist. And we also have Paul and, uh, Paul and David working on, uh, a few, uh, literary bonuses, uh, that include some, uh, some additional story material. So that's really exciting. That's not something we've done previously. So that'll be really fun to offer to, to uh, people who pre-order in advance as well. Yeah. That, that's really cool. It's, as Ben is, uh, fond of saying, if the magician shows me how to do the trick, it makes it even more. I love it even incredible. better. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, so, I'm, yeah. I want to see behind the scenes. I want to see. I want to see how they do it and what they do with it. And, because it helps and, me to appreciate yeah. the effort that went into creating that illusion in the first place. Yeah. So we're we're kind of in that camp. You know, some people say, "I don't want to know. I don't want to know." That's my mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't ruin it for me. I know. I mean, it's like we go into the haunted. I mean, we could we could go into like the Disney's haunted mansion, and uh, and mom does not want to know how the 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 ballroom with the dancing ghosts is done. No, I want to see. I want to know how it's done so that when I do the ride again, it's like, wow, that is some sure. brilliant magic or brilliant technology yeah. that they're doing to just blow me. Away. Yeah, I love that kind of thing. Yeah. So tell me. And I don't want to open the floodgates for people to inundate you with, <laughs> you know, um, requests. But how do you decide what you're going to pick up and what that you're going to produce? And, and w what is that process that you use so that people, you know, like I said, they don't inundate you? Uh, obviously, you have a process. And I think uh, Paul said sure. that it, it was a Comic-Con that they approached you and apparently you had... You were in one of those sessions where people could pitch ideas to you. So what, what is that process for you? Sure. For us, uh, as a, a smaller publishing company, uh, as you mentioned, you know, it's, we would love to be able to publish absolutely everyone's sure, work, yeah. but given our, our limited resources, <clears throat> we'd like to make sure that our focus, our time, our finances are um, allotted equally to projects so that we, we are not overextending ourselves and thereby, um, underserving, underserving yeah. the projects that we have. In, so, in other words, you um, haven't won the lottery will... yet. 
Exactly. <laughs> so we uh, will always accept submissions for projects at any stage of the creative production process. Um, the best thing for people to do is to email me, and my email is Barbara, which is spelled like Barbara Streisand. It's B-A-R-B-R-A at fanbasepress.com. And you can always email me uh, your project. What we generally uh, ask people to send is a treatment of the project, um, a sample script if you have one, or uh, a, a first issue if it's further along in the process. Uh, generally speaking, we do tend to gravitate towards projects that are at or near completion. However, we have, as with the margins, uh, develop stories from the script process on. Um, so it's, it's, there's no, uh, definitive, you know, we're not an image type company where you have to have the book completed before you can submit it. Uh, and likewise, even in the event that we for any reason are unable to publish a project, uh, it's my intention that we always provide resources to creators, whether it be uh, me offering recommendations for other publishers that might be a good fit for their project. Oh, cool. If it's discussing the production process uh, in comparing if you want to approach other publishers versus publishing, uh, as we talked about, we do a lot of convention panels about the self-publishing yeah. process. So we always try to provide creators with, even if it's just answering questions about how do I about this how you know what's the next step in the process we always want to be a resource for people so um, we never want to you know let creators hesitate to email us because we're always happy to be of assistance in any capacity that might be even if it's not publishing creators works oh that's cool yeah. it, it's would, nice to, that you're open to that go ahead no, no, go ahead. I, I was just basically saying, Barb, yeah, you're everything you said is right. <laughs> <It's working laughs> <too. laughs> uh, it's really neat that you guys are open to that because, you know, I, I, and being a smaller per, uh, publishing company, you, you can do that, I suppose. If you're big and, you know, have a market that's out there that's a, an exclusive market, I suppose you can be a little more choosy, mm -hmm. but it's good that you will look at people's work and then provide some kind of feedback to them. Well, I, I think... And, and that's that's just, that's great. I too. think in some ways, you know, you are mirroring the entire uh, entertainment industry as to what we're seeing these days. I mean, uh, and I, I tell this to a lot of people that many times I'll, I'll go see, I'll go to a film festival fill, that's just loaded mm -hmm. with independent uh, movies, and yet I will go to a, ma you know, then next day I'll go to a major theatrical release from a big studio and think it's just garbage. Um, not casting mm -hmm. any aspersions to Warner Brothers, of course not, no. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I, but I have, I have experienced that. So it, I think it's really great that, uh, with a company like Fanbase, that it can actually go out there and look for those things that may be a big, you know, a big publishing company like, like DC or Mar Marvel, you know, Dark Horse. I mean, that they might, you know, turn their no, turn their nose up at. Uh, and not really give it a chance mm -hmm. because they've, you know, I, I, for, for whatever big business reasons that they may have, you know, so it's nice that a company like yours is willing to go out and, you know, and take a look at what uh, big companies might view as being the riskier product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and for us, it really goes back not only to our mission of, you know, providing more inclusive creative teams, storytelling characters, but our tagline for the company is that we celebrate fandoms and create new ones. And for us, um, celebrating fandoms comes in many different forms. And creators, 
there are so many talented creators out there that, you know, may not be established creators, but that doesn't make the value of their work any less or any more diminished than anyone else's who might work at a Marvel or DC. And sometimes it really just comes down to access and having the opportunity and a platform to show their work to other people. So mm -hmm. sometimes it, it might be a riskier option to give an opportunity to a, a new or, or less experienced creator, but sometimes those are the most amazing stories. Yeah, They're the most it's amazing. You know, genuine. <laughs> yeah. yeah there, there's, there's really... It's why people walk to Stally, you know, it's like they, they, you know, I feel like they do want to meet famous artists, but they also, there's a lot of people that go there because they like, discovering stories that they've never seen before or different takes on things. Yeah. And for Barbara and I, maybe where the kernel of this is, and don't let me speak for you if you disagree, but mm -hmm. having a stage theater background where you, um, I don't know how many people who are listening are really familiar with, with the process or the, the world of stage theater, but there's not a lot of money in it. You have to really love the, the craft of acting and putting on a play and playwriting to to really like get invested in it and there's no guarantee uh that because there's money behind it or it's bigger or or more well financed it's going to be better some of the most purest most fulfilling stage theater experiences in my life have been in the smallest most no-name theater with a bunch of students putting on something and discovering something creatively that that just wasn't there and blows you all away and and i i think you know, there are, you know, you just, it's that, it's whether that is something of, of interest to you. For us, it, it is. We, we love comics. We love the medium. And, and if, if we can leave geekdom better than, <laughs> than we found it when we first showed up here, I think that will be important to us. You know, it might not be important to everyone who gets involved in this, but for us, that would be a worthwhile thing to accomplish. Right. Well, that, that's one of our, our, has become one of our missions is to support independent creators because we found, and, and we say this on every single episode in our, our follow-up items, we found that there is a tremendous amount of talent that doesn't get the fame and the fortune, but they produce some of the most incredible work with zero money. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's just, it's amazing. So that's why we, we love to celebrate independent creators and, and, uh, we have a passion for that now. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, I mean, yeah, we'd, we'd love to do big, <laughs> big name interviews and, you know, oh, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And, I mean, I would and, love but, to interview Stan Lee or Chris <laughs> Evans, you know, or those yeah, people. But, I, I would dig that so badly. But at the same time, uh, through, through this, this mission of ours that we've just kind of fallen into, I mean, it's given us an opportunity to talk to some truly amazing individuals. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and we, we applaud you. Uh, both, uh, both of you for doing what you're doing in getting, um, get, helping to see this, this creative talent, uh, get out there so that other people will recognize and appreciate uh, the stuff that's, that stuff that's really there. I mean, th this, again, there's just a lot of talent out there that otherwise would just get completely ignored. So, um. Well, and I, I have to, I have to, the same thing to both of you that thank you for the work that you do and yes. giving, mm -hmm 
uh, a platform to independent creators to share their work. And I, I, as we were talking about off air before the podcast, I think it goes to creating the sense of community that it is, that is a part of Geekdom as well, because as we were saying, it's such a small community and getting to know creators the way that we do just at interactions at conventions, hearing each other's podcasts, yeah. it, it really does so much to cement those relationships and to further build the community. Right. Absolutely. So for anybody who wants to know more about Fanbase Press, uh, where they can find uh, the, the various publications uh, and any kind of social media presence, you know, on, uh, as, uh, on, on the internets or the intertubes, interwebs, uh, Twitters, the, you know, the Facebooks, the Instagrams. I mean, wh- where can people find you and, you know, in, in all different various mediums of social media? Sure, you can find us at our website, which is fanbasepress.com. We are on Facebook at Fanbase Press. We are on Twitter at Fanbase underscore press. We're on Instagram at Fanbase Press. Uh, we have various different iTunes channels for all of our podcasts, but you can access those through the website. Uh, we have our own YouTube channel for when we do convention or red carpet interviews. Um, so basically everywhere except MySpace, I think, is a, a safe bet to find <laughs> yeah. us. You don't have a MySpace account? Come on. <laughs> yeah, we don't have MySpace, unfortunately. But uh, the books are available through the website and Comixology as well. Yeah. Oh, cool. Fantastic. So that is really great. And thank you for being on the show, Barbara and Bryant Dillon of Fanbase Press. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. Hi, this is Barbara. And Bryant Dillon of Fanbase Press. And you are listening to The Two Gay Geeks. And here's a few selected birthdays for March 12th through March 18th, 2018. March 12th, Liza with a Manelli. Uh, Liza, Liza with, with a, a Z. Z. Liza with a Z Manelli. Yeah. Liza with a Manelli. Liza with a Manelli. <laughs> Sounds like a food item. Yeah. And also, Agent 99. Barbara Felden. Barbara Felden. And also, Jack Kerouac, who was kind of the uh, one of the instigators of the hippie movement, although he distanced himself from that uh, I had later on. I no idea yeah. about that. He was actually part of what's called the, the Beat Generation, but that was a precursor to the hippie oh, movement. Oh, okay, so, okay. Uh, March 13th, Al Jaffe, most notably uh, cartoonist for Mad, Mad Magazine. Magazine. William H. Macy. And Mr. Dianetics himself, L. Ron Hubbard. Also on no March comment. Thir- no comment. March thirteenth. The 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 little littler said the best. Yes. <laughs> uh, also on March thirteenth, a good friend of ours from San Diego, Pia Thrasher, who's a filmmaker in her own right, really, and fascinating. Great artist. artist. Her artwork is incredible. Fabulous artwork. Also on March thirteenth, Lathrop Preston, also known as Lathe to us from the previous days at elsewhere. March 14th, James Frain. Sarek. Sarek, yes, uh, as well as other things. Right. Uh, Billy Crystal, Albert Einstein, and Mike O'Kane. I got nothing. You got nothing. I got nothing. Michael Kane. Right. He tells a story about uh, people talking about him. Oh. (laughs) Mike O'Kane. Mike O'Kane, yes. (laughs) If you want to sound like Michael Kane, all you got to do is say Michael Kane. 
guess. <laughs> also on March 14th, Diane Arbus, famed uh, photographer, and Graham Skipper, who is uh, a filmmaker that we know from uh, the Beyond LA, the yeah, Beyond the Gates in uh, the LA area. March 15th, David Cronenberg, a director of mm. uh, uh, some really sick horror films. Yeah. Also, Sean Biggerstaff. From, or as, some, as girls like to say, Sean, show me your Biggerstaff. <laughs> yeah, there you God. go. <laughs> <Oy>. also, <laughs> yeah. Mar- uh, March 15th, St. Nicholas was born in 270 A.D. Wow. He's looking Amazing. good. Yeah, he certainly is. Also, Judd Hirsch, whose uh, career kind of made a resurgence here in his later years. Yeah, uh, good for him. A couple of different uh, programs that he was on. March 16th, Todd McFarlane, Alan Tudyk, and Victor Garber. March 17th, Nat King Cole. Was a very old... Whoops. No, he was a very nice man. Very nice man. <laughs> yes. We have a, a, a friend of ours whose mother passed away a number of years ago, but she used to tell a story, a couple of stories that were big, big, quote, unquote, stories. <laughs> In other words, like tall tales? Tall tales, yes. That uh, she, somebody said something about Nat King Cole, and she said, he was such a nice man. Mm. And then also tells, oh, us, it gets worse. <laughs> tells a, a story about uh, <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, yeah. But uh, anyway, so that, that was neither here nor there. She told those stories and uh, Brendan kind of at, at her eulogy it was it was like yeah i can just see her she walks into the pearly gates and say hi nat hi martin with a you cigarette know? in her hand yeah with a cigarette in her hand anyway may turn out that she actually did know those people well it turns out some of those stories have some uh, credibility uh, to some, them so now so brendan's yeah. thinking like oh my god was was mom actually right on that <laughs> exactly also on march 17th kurt russell and john boyega March 18th, we have Brad Dourif, Vanessa Williams, Queen Latifah, Peter Graves, and I ran across this one, and I had to put it in here, Lillian Vernon. If anybody from years past, she was, it list, lists her as an entrepreneur. If anybody knows the Lillian Vernon catalog that used to come out, my grandmother shared that with my sister. It was the uh, precursor, I think, to uh, Sky Mall. It had oh. anything and everything and all the crap that you could never need. So, uh, Lillian, wow, that kind of really puts her ahead of the time. Oh yeah, this was in the '60s and early '70s that we Far used out. to get this uh, Lillian Vernon catalog. Also on March 18th, Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov, who uh, wrote quite a few things, mm. and and you listen to it and you say. Is that Scheherazade? Is that Scheherazade? <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's not Scheherazade. That's that's uh, <laughs> some somebody else completely. Yeah. So yeah, Rimsky Korsakov had this uh, uh, knack for writing things that sounded like everybody else. He had just the genre. He was kind of the the uh, Michael Giacchino of his day. <laughs> ah, very chameleon-like. Yeah, and also. On March 18th, last but not least, Ms. Margaret Juntwaite, who was the... She was uh, the voice of uh, MedOpera Channel. MedOpera Radio. MedOpera Radio yeah. on Sirius XM. Yeah, and died and, a couple of years uh, ago. What she a was, tragedy. She, she was, was so a wonderful... awesome. Yeah, she was so personable. She, and, she was so accessible. I mean, anybody could write to her yep. and and chat with her about opera, and she would actually do live blogging yep. uh, during live broadcasts at the opera. I mean, she was amazing. Yep. 
And that's it for the birthdays this time. This is Barbara Dillon, one of the co-hosts of Fanbase Press's flagship podcast, The Fanbase Weekly. During the Fanbase Weekly podcast, the co-hosts and I discuss the top geek news stories of the week. In each episode, we are joined by special guests from all across the pop culture spectrum to get their take on what's happening in geekdom. Past guests have included Jeffrey Thorne, writer of Leverage and the Librarians, DC All Access's Jason Inman, Debbie Lynn Smith of Chimera Press, Xena Warrior Princess executive producer Stephen L. Sears, Ashley V. Robinson of Geek History Lessons, and many, many more. Join us for an episode of the podcast that celebrates fandoms on a weekly basis. A new episode of the Fanbase Weekly is released every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or look for the podcast at fanbasepress.com. Go give a listen to our friends Barbara and Bryant Dillon over at Fanbase Weekly. And now, it's time for what? I'm going to just nod my head in time. And for Keith to start playing with the mixer board. Yeah, I don't trust you with that. As long as your fingers, as long as your hands are near that board, I don't trust you. <laughs> so interestingly enough that we should just hear from, from Barbara, because uh, starting off the feedback, this is for episode 159, last week's episode. We got some feedback from Barbara, and she says, thank you for your support of Fanbase Press and The Margins. Absolutely. We're happy to supply it that. Was a, it was a great interview with uh, Paul and Amanda. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we got a comment from Arkel, and he says, I'm all for teaching uh, Geek Studios expanding. Have you guys considered Patreon? It has its faults, but nearly all the creators I follow these days that aren't backed by a major television network or movie studio have one, and I would give to a lot of them if I had steady income. Um... That's something that's that's not a dis. Hmm. We've we've thought about it. We've thought about it. We're and not dismissing it wholeheartedly yet, but we're not ready to cross that that bridge yet. Yeah, we haven't figured out what we would. Uh, yeah, we got to offer something return as a to the as subscribers. an offering to the subscribers. Yeah, so. I just no idea what. Yeah, and he continues uh, regarding the incorrect Voyager quotes blog. Don't give me too much credit. The quotes themselves all come from various sources, cartoons, video games, other TV shows, movies, internet reviews, shows, etc. The original source is always included in the tags. I and other submitters simply put those words in the mouths of the Voyager characters. For instance, for instance, the most recent ones, as of when I'm writing this, the ones above the seven times Sam aesthetic, a fan of my Voyager fanfic made for me, come from Bob's Burgers and Mass Effect 3. I was inspired to create the Voyager one after being a big fan and uh, occasional contributor to the incorrect Voyager blogs for Atop the Fourth Wall and Power Rangers. Okay, uh, and then moving on, um, we had some feedback from a John Downey last week, and we yeah. thought maybe he might have been Hamish's brother. Turns out he's Hamish's uncle. Yeah, and there was kind of a, Fun a little, back and forth between there, Hamish and There was a back and, and forth, John. but John offered one cute little story that I yeah. thought was cute and we wanted to include here. He says, I was at the final performance of Marlena Dietrich when she collapsed at the piano. Her constant companion rushed to her aid and covered her up until the medical people arrived. I remembered her famous mink coat was carefully folded and taken care of. End of a memorable night. Yeah, To wow. say the least. 
And then uh, we had a couple of reviews that went out for uh, A Wrinkle in Time. And my review uh, got a couple of comments back. First one from a good personal friend of ours, Ari Marino. She writes, oh, no! Hashtag sadness. And then good friend of the show, Hamish Downey, he writes, this This is the absolute definition of a mixed review. <laughs> yeah, it was. And good and bad. Was. Good and bad. Good and the, the, and there was some good and there was some bad. That's, that's all I can what say about it. What does it want to be? Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, I was being honest. There were some good things. Yeah, there were some bad things. Exactly. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, last week, we also had a fantastic little review from... Contributor Adrian Richoff is she Andrea. Got, Andrea Adrian, why is Adrian? Andrea Richoff, thank you. Sorry. And she did a review for Dark Crystal. And you can see that on our website at tjgeeks.com. We'll have the link for that and our other articles yeah, in our show notes. It was a special screening. Special uh, screening. Yeah. Uh, from uh the 35th from Fathom Events. Yeah. Exactly. And we got a, again another comment from Hamish Bleh, I can't talk today. Hamish Downey saying, I wish Jim Henson made more original movies like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. I agree. And I wish the Henson company, the Henson studio, would make more movies. I mean, his son Brian is in charge of it now. Well, Disney owns them now. I know. But they're still not. Well, Disney owns Pixar. (laughs) Disney owns Marvel. Yet they're still making movies. Yeah. So I would like to see the Henson company make more. Yeah. Anyway. Moving on, got another comment from uh, this time good personal friend, Audra Hall. She says, I loved this movie and I have an original book too. Hashtag Fizzgig. Then uh, we also, boy, this last week was a busy one for us. Yeah. Uh, We ran a first look at the Dr. Seuss The Grinch movie. And uh, we got a comment back from my old high school friend, Donald Black, and he simply wrote, originality is dead. Yeah. And there was one uh, for Christopher Robin there. There was, well, did I pass that one? Yes. Oh, yes, I did. I'm sorry. My, yeah, I scrolled, <laughs> scrolled a little bit too fast. Yeah. We also ran a first look at Christopher Robin, uh, starring Ewan McGregor. And we got a comment from Mihari Midge Monroe, and she simply writes, would love to see this. Yeah, so would I. It, it looks interesting. Really, yeah, it does. It looks very good. And I love the, the guy who's uh, voicing... Uh, Pooh, Poo, yeah. He, he sounds certainly. so... <laughs> Sterling Holloway. He sounds yeah. like, it's just like Sterling Holloway. It's awesome. And then we ran uh, a new uh, new article or new column type thing. It's um, potpourri. potpourri. Yeah. And this time the potpourri, we're going to talk a little bit more about the articles that we're going to be running on our website. But uh, this potpourri article came from Hamish, and uh, it's under the title News Sushi, Morsel of News from Japan and Beyond. And I got a couple of comments from that, uh, one from Kat Wardley. She says, in response to Hamish, I'm so proud of you. And then a friend of Hamish's named Kerry Taki writes, writes, OMG, I'm so surprised, Hamish. Yeah. Kiss, hug, kiss, hug, kiss, hug, kiss. Yeah, and they were, uh, she was a folk, featured. One of the featured articles. Yeah. Fe- yeah. Featured people. Featured peoples. And then uh, another friend of Hamish's wrote, uh, this is uh, Sheridan Jobbins. Sheridan writes, a cup ramen noodle museum? Don't make me want. Genius! And Hamish wrote back with, well, there's spare room in my apartment if you wish to visit. There you go. And that's our feedback for this week. And we want to hear from you. If you have a comment or feedback or something you like or dislike about anything that we do, such as uh, our podcast or on articles or anything else, please, we want to hear from you. 
You can do that on our website, tggeeks.com, on any of the articles or any of the podcasts or webcast episodes. You can do it on Facebook, on our Facebook page, TG Geek Squared Studios. Or you can do it on Twitter or any number of other places. Mm. You can even call us at our listener feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. It's 469-844-3357. And as always, please play nice. You don't need to hear their identification. They're the two gay geeks. They can go about their business. Move along. I, I'm, I'm waiting. Oh, jeez. Wow, that's, that's called a cutoff. A <laughs> couple of things we really want to touch on. Uh, last Sunday... Uh, as of the recording of this episode, we had the Academy Awards. Yeah. Holy what, smokes. What a... What a show. What a show. It was really a great show. Very, you know, and I'm... I love some of the editing, the editorial things yeah. that they did as far as showing all of the, the best actor mm-hmm. nods and... It was an, a best actress and, and all of the, the different clips and the one that just made me a little verklempt was seeing Henry Fonda. Oh, yeah. On, on Golden Pond. Mm-hmm. And it was just, wow. <laughs> I mean, and, and the sad thing is, uh, you know, and it wasn't a perfect show. There were a couple of no, misfires yeah, here. Exactly. But there, I think there were more uh, positive points than, um, than, than misfires. And to think that this was the lowest rated Academy Awards yet makes me very sad because there was some, as you said, there was some very positive editorial oh, things it, that were said here. And some some wonderful shout outs to people. It was probably the most inclusive mm-hmm. uh, Academy Awards uh, celebrations in ever. I, I know, you know but, as yeah. far as people of color, mm-hmm. of, you know... Everything. I yeah, mean, a, a trans, a movie about a transgender woman won an Oscar. Yeah, it was. That's How amazing incredible. Is that? Yeah, and 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 I I have to. Oh, I get I get emotional just thinking about this. I shared the video. It was a video clip. I shared it on our TG Geeks Facebook page, and it was the acceptance speech for Coco. Yeah. Oh Where, my God, you know, Darla and Adrian Mol- Darla Anderson, Adrian Molina. And Lee Unkrich, and I mean, each of I, their acceptance speeches just yeah, brought me to it was tears. Just, it was wonderful. It I mean, really, was Darla wonderful. thanked her wife. Yep, and Adrian, Adrian thanked his husband. husband. It was incredible. And Lee gave the greatest speech about for anybody who has been disenfranchised. Yep. This award was for them. Yep. Wow, it was great, and and all of the speeches. I mean. Nobody got too overly jumping up and down, you know. Frances McDermott was the most unusual, yeah. but she was just excited. Yeah. And and I thought she actually gave a really good bit when she said, okay, everybody in the audience, you know, women, all the women, if you were, if you won or you were nominated, stand up. And you saw like 50% of the people in the, in the theater stand up. Yeah, it was great. It was phenomenal. I mean, oh God, that that was my favorite Academy Awards yet. Yeah, it really was great. So and we watched on. it on our new I watched it on our new TV, inch 4K TV. <laughs> on our new 4K TV, and oh my yeah. God, did it look awesome? It was incredible. And I, I wanted the I wanted the new TV for the for the Academy Awards. Yeah, and boy, did it look good. It was the gay Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's the gay Super Bowl. What can I say? Absolutely. Yep. 
Uh, and then uh, last night, wow, we had oh last night as of this recording. So Saturday night, uh, March tenth, we saw the Barbara Seville with Arizona Opera. Oh my gosh, one of the best opera productions I've ever watched. It was absolutely incredible. They, Josh, um, Joshua Bort did a fabulous job of directing this production. He is uh, an up and coming director and happens to work for Arizona Opera full time, but he is uh, going like around director the country of education. doing all kinds of things. The The things that he did with this production as far as the audience interaction or the um, cast interaction with the audience, yeah. I should say, and his his somewhat updated um, his translations <laughs> translation yeah and, yeah the, was, the subtitles were were uh, at times a bit liberal in their yes, translations yes but it was it was great it's kind of updated had so and, much fun the audience you know, loved it oh my gosh it, yeah they got a huge standing ovation so it was it was a great uh, production we we did seven hours of Rossini yesterday oh, man, we, we saw Semiramide day from live from, from the from Met. The Met. And then we had Barbara of Seville last night. Uh, Barbara outshined. It did. The I would yes, actually. absolutely. Barbara Seville. I had more fun with Barbara Seville than I did. Well, Semiramide is not a com- not a comedic opera, but I enjoyed myself overall more so with Barbara because it was just it had an irreverence to it. Yeah, and Barbara, Barbara is kind of a crazy. thing. It's a anyway. funny opera yeah. to begin with, but they but they updated it and made it kind of almost. Gave it a sense of almost relevance yeah, to the, today. The voices were great. Oh, the voices were fantastic. <laughs> one, one of the voices that did uh, Dr. Bartolo, who, who was supposed to be an old man, was uh, done by uh, Calvin. Oh, shoot. What's his? Uh, I can't remember Calvin's last name, but he's part of the uh, Marion Roos Pullen uh, studio artist. And he's like 30-something, 30 in his early thirties, and Josh Calvin said, Griffin. Calvin Griffin. Yeah, he said he's one of the youngest, youngest Doctor Bartolos. Yeah, one of the ever. oldest. Yeah, youngest uh, Doctor Bartolo. He was phenomenal. His voice yeah. was fantastic. Oh my gosh! And, and he and played to sing the Rossini? part. Just, just oh yeah, and the patter that he had. Yeah, you know the thing is that uh, for some reason uh, Rossini seemed to like to really pick on bass baritones for this. They're the ones who have to do you have to do this. It's a really fireworky pronunciation kind of R is everybody else has got these really big coloratures where they jump all over the place, but the bass baritones got this. You know they have to spit out words so unbelievably fast and clear and in perfect time, and he nailed it. Yep, it was. He was so enjoyable. Just a great production. It, it was around, one of all the, the way around. Man, I had such a fun time with that opera last yep. night. And so that uh, that's it for our second segment. We have a new segment that we're going to do here. <laughs> That was interesting. <laughs> yeah, so th- this is a new segment we're going to do. It's a kind of a weekly review of what we published on the the website. Yeah, because for, we do have an actual website yeah. with content. And for those of you that only listen to the webcast, uh, we do have a website. It's tggeeks.com. We run all sorts of interesting content. content. And this week, uh, some of that was we produce our episode on uh, Monday. Monday is always the day that we release our episodes. Episode 159. On Tuesday, we didn't have anything, but we're getting ready to gear up on Tuesday will be our books and more and books et cetera. Books and more review. Books, books and more, things review. Books books and things, yes. Books and books things. Books more and et cetera. Yeah. 
And on Wednesday, we had another entry from Jeannie and our old classics, a newly reviewed uh, category. And this time it was Trouble in Paradise. We had uh, Ben's review of A Wrinkle in Time and our first look at Christopher Robin. So we had uh, Wednesday was a busy day. Wednesday was a good day. Thursday was another Another good day. day. Andrea's review of A Wrinkle in Time, a first look at The Grinch, and a new column in our potpourri category uh, from good friend Hamish Downey, the new sushi that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's uh, interesting morsels, or what is it, uh, morsels of news from uh, Japan and beyond. Right. So he's that's kind of a... He'll do that when he can, but mm-hmm. uh, we had a, a potpourri, had to create a potpourri category for other things that don't fit elsewhere. So then Friday, we, Andrea was busy, busy this week. We had Andrea's review of Gringo. Which now makes me even more wanting to see it because yeah. the review made it sound, it made it sound like everything I wanted it to be. Yep. And then on Saturday, we had our first entry in Social Saturday. And this time we looked at Drawn to Comics in Glendale, Arizona. That's a great store. Yeah. You should go by and visit. If you're in the area, check it out. And we also had uh, Andrea's uh, Dark Crystal review Mm -hmm. on Saturday. Sunday, we had our first entry in our Spotlight Sunday. And we featured Brian Augustine, local uh, Phoenix uh, comic book uh, legend, shall he, we say. Yeah, Legend uh, was editor for the Flash comic, uh, had a great, had a hand in the, the crafting, I believe, of the Speed Force, and he's also the author of Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah. The book, and, not the yeah. movie. And he, he's a really great guy. He's usually... Oh, he's fantastic. He makes a, a lot of uh, the Arizona cons, uh, as well as other things, and you should stop by and see him. He's got a quick wit and very personable, very approachable just has lots of interesting things at his table. So you can find all these things at tggeeks.com as well as our entries on the Facebook page. Please visit both and comment if you have something to say. And as always, we have our follow-up items. Check out their calendar on the website. If you have a birthday or a con or a film festival that anybody should know about, send us a note. We'll be glad to put it on the calendar and we'd talk about it in this, this section, actually. Phoenix Film Festival, April 5th through the 15th, 2018 at Harkins Scottsdale 101. Over 250 film and 25,000 attendees over 11 days. Oh, we're going to be busy. Yeah. So it, uh, we're sponsors this year. So uh, come and say hi if you see us. We'll, we'll be our, there in our shirts. One of our shirts, as always. Phoenix Comic Fest, uh, that's a new name, takes place at the Convention Center, May 24th through the 27th. We will be there, so come and check it out. Uh, there's lots and lots of interesting guests this year. Mm-hmm. And Arizona Opera presents Das Rheingold, Richard Wagner's first opera in his epic four-opera ring cycle. It's or is it his last opera? Well, Yeah. It's the first Since opera. he wrote it backwards. It, yes. It's it, the first opera of the that's cycle. supposed to be performed, but it was the last, last opera, opera written. Because he started with Goethe Demerung and Worked said, backwards. Well, we need a little more background in this. So he wrote. He kept uh, going and going and yeah, going. Back and back and back. So it's playing in Phoenix, April 6th through the 8th, and in Tucson on April 14th and 15th. Really? Are they, yeah, so the, 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 odd, that's flipped. Yeah, kind of flipped around. I, I saw that, too, and I said, I have to go check the website and check that out. But that sure. really is. They're, they're yeah. going to close the season in Tucson. It's really weird. Huh. 
So tickets are still available at azopera.org. Check out the third edition of Podcasting for Dummies, written by T. Morris and Chuck Tomasi. Go to podcastingfordummies.com. And as everybody knows, we are huge supporters of independent creators, whether it's filmmakers, comic book artists, writers, or other. Please consider supporting those independent creators. And you could consider Fanbase Press as an independent creator because they support, uh, they they kind of curate mm-hmm. uh, other independent creators' uh, works and help them produce those. So that's, they're really uh, providing a, an incredible medium for independent creators. And we want to give a special shout-out to our friend Teresa Corey, expert travel agent at Fairguard Mother Travel. She is a small independent travel agent specializing in all things Disney, uh, especially Disney World, Disneyland, and the uh, Disney Cruises, as well as Adventures by Disney and uh, the Universe of Disney, Mm -hmm. when that comes out. Anyway, check out the widget on the right-hand side of the page for more info. Tell her Ben and Keith sent you, and uh, she'll say hi. Yes. Special shout-out to Doctor Who Talking Who on Twitter. They published the Doctor Who Fancast Guide. You can find the Fancast Guide by going to Twitter and searching for at Talking Who. And earlier, you heard feedback from Arkel. Brian Weber is his name, and on Twitter, he is known as the Human Arkel, and he Posts the Arkel Times Post Dispatch News. And you can find the Post Dispatch News by going to Twitter and searching for at Arkel. And we mention them because they continually republish our content that we post. And you also heard Arkel in his feedback make reference to the incorrect Star Trek Voyager quotes. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. Sometimes not exactly safe for work, so you don't want your boss coming by you and seeing you having that up on your computer because then you might lose your job, and that's not really cool. Occasionally. Yeah. Uh, And also, a special shout-out to the Facebook group, The Gay Geek, because they have a really amazing moderator named Jeremiah Reeves. He said, here, you can share your content with us as long as you talk about us. Well, we're talking about you. We love the Gay Geek because they have some really great content there with some really, really nice people. I I frequent that page a lot, and you can always check it out by going to Facebook.com slash group slash the Gay Geek. You will probably have to request request for uh, access to it, and the only condition is just play nicely, and you can have all the freedom there you want. So thank you, Jeremiah. Yes, thank you, Jeremiah. We want to remind you to occasionally click on our Amazon ads. You can find those at the bottom of each article and on the right-hand side of the page in some of our widgets. And lastly, check us out on iHeartRadio and rate us on iTunes and subscribe to our channel, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel. We do have a YouTube channel. It is audio only. You can listen to the the webcast episodes there if you wish. Uh, we have a few people that do that and as regular listeners. So check us out, and we thank you for your support. Up next time, well, I don't know. Who knows? We'll. Uh, Things oh, are... uh, no, we have Jonathan. That's right. We That's are right. going to have a special guest in the studio with us. Yeah, Jonathan Latt. He'll join us for the the whole episode. That's so, going to be nuts. That'll be craziness. So uh, check us out next week.
Okay, that should do it for this episode of TG Geeks Webcast. Be sure to check out the article for this webcast episode. We're going to have several links on the page of things that we talked about. And remember, you can comment on our Facebook page or our website, tggeeks.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 469-TG-GEEKS. That is 469-844-3357 from TG Squared Studios. I'm Keith Lane. Thanks for listening. I bid you peace. Cheers. Cheers.